You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. We be over here broadcasting from the Vivid Seats studios. Use promo code OVERTIME in the Vivid Seats mobile app to save up to $100 on all ticket purchases. First time customers only. Tell you what, it's going to be a, a sad day if they ever drop us. Because <laughs> I am digging that. So today, although it was not planned, we are going to be talking about the defense, possibly something else if we fly through it, but based on how incredibly long it took yesterday to cover the offense, I'm thinking this may take a full day. If not, not a big deal. I think I can can ramble. Um, As a side note for those that are curious, I have not heard the cricket today. I did find out yesterday that he moved from behind me to not only in front of me, But the reason he was so quiet yesterday wasn't because he was malnourished. It was because he found his way into my washing machine. And um, for whatever reason, I kind of just chuckled, went to work, and it didn't occur to me how upset my wife would be that I left the cricket in the washing machine. And um, anyways, somehow he found his way out. And I'm sure is happily uh, on his way. He's moved on. I'm I'm sure I'll find a new co-host. It's not a big deal. I'm not worried about it. Just didn't work out between us. Some of you may remember DJ Galaxy from back in the day. We had a good thing for a long time. You know, it'll be all right. Maybe maybe I can uh, get Senior Coffee here to to chat it up a bit. We'll see how it goes. I don't know. What say you, Senior Coffee? He's got nothing yet. We're working on it. But needless to say, we got a little bit more good news than we had yesterday. Um, I tell you what, though, man, I'm... Uh, been listening to a lot of different stuff. I'm starting to to rev up a couple Packers podcasts again. I tuned them out because it was the off season and it was like I just you know I need something relevant in my life. But now that the season's back, it's like you know there's a lot of news. I want to make sure I'm not missing anything, so I listen to a few others. And then I listen to the um, Grapes Grapes and Gorak podcast, which is the uh, Vikings podcast in the Overtime Network. And I got to be honest, man, it just before the Bears game, I didn't realize how like amped up I was and how much I disliked the Bears until that game started. I had a coworker come in, start lipping off. He's a he's a Lions fan, so he started trying to get under my skin. Some vendor comes in, he starts talking about the Bears. I kind of flipped out a little bit. And then the Bears game started, and they were all excited, and they're all happy, and the crowd was all amped up, and you could just feel the energy and excitement. It's like, I don't like this. I don't like that they have self-confidence. That doesn't make me happy. And now it's like, okay, they all, they hate Trubisky, they hate their city, they hate their life. Everything's fine now. Illinois is back to being good at pizza and hot dogs and, and, you know, food in general. They're pretty good at it. Running a state, crime, sports, they're bad at those things, and that's how I like it. Although I did enjoy growing up as a, as a Bulls fan, but that's a separate thing. Blackhawks were cool, too. My brother got me into that. But now I gotta listen, and, and it's, it's, ugh. It's even a little worse, because not only do those guys pop off about how they don't actually believe the Packers are that good, but it's really bad because a lot of people are saying, not only is the Packers' offense not good, but Aaron Rodgers isn't good. And I got nothing. 
I'm sitting there just listening to him, and I'm stewing and getting really angry, and I got zero rebuttal. One of the hosts was talking about how Aaron Rodgers hasn't been good against the Vikings in several years, and the other guy's like, dude, Aaron Rodgers hasn't been good, period, in several years. And I want to freak out, and then I'm thinking back, like, yeah, but the... So, back in, um, and then the, I got nothing. So, I really, 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 really want everybody to regret talking bad about Aaron Rodgers. Really, really want that to happen. And if it happens this week, I'm not even going to be mad about it. Like, even a little bit. Because we know how good Aaron Rodgers is. And he has to know everybody's talking about him. And I feel like really good quarterbacks... When people start talking, and maybe it's just that a lot of this isn't reaching his ears, because the national media is still stroking his ego pretty hard. I mean, they're they're getting on him about his relationships, big deal. But everybody's still like, yeah, I mean, we know you're an elite quarterback, but it sounds like you're a little moody. Maybe he doesn't realize that underneath the surface and behind all these national media folks that are like stroking his hair because they want to get interviews with him and like talking about how how great he is as a quarterback. Behind that, there's a lot of people watching football going, I don't even know if he's any good anymore. Like, forget I don't know if he's elite or I don't know if he's the GOAT. I don't know if he's even a top-half quarterback. I don't know if he's a top-20 quarterback at this point in time. And everybody spewing that nonsense was actually justified last week in Week 1 because I don't think he was even a top-25 quarterback last week. And all I'm saying is, I need Aaron Rodgers to make all the Vikings fans who are laughing and literally saying, I am not scared. I'm listening to a podcast in which they're saying they're worried about our defense, not even slightly worried about our quarterback. I don't even know how to handle that. That's never happened in my entire 30 years of existence on this planet. Everybody's scared of Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. Everybody. Even when, Aaron, even when Brett Favre was throwing seven interceptions a game, people were still terrified because he also had seven touchdowns, and that was scary. And you never knew how it was going to fall, for us or for them. He's still a scary guy that could just rip your face off. This will be about the defense, but I'm just saying. It's making me uncomfortable, and it's making me upset, and I, I keep turning over to Aaron Rodgers and, like, I mean, they're being ridiculous, right? I mean, <laughs> you're going to... You're gonna, I mean, you're gonna, you're gonna tear him up, right? I mean, you're gonna do that, right? You're an elite quarterback, right? Like Pat Mahomes is, is like, that's where you're at. You're like Pat Mahomes. That's you, right? You're better than than Tom Brady, who just destroyed the Steelers. You're better than no look Mahomes. You're better than Drew Brees, who's carving up everybody for the last several years. Who, by the way, only has one good wide receiver. You're better than Matt Ryan, who really just has one wide receiver, right? You're better than Russell Wilson, who has only ever had one wide receiver, correct? I mean, am I correct about this? These are the facts. And now that we have a new offensive scheme, and hopefully we'll have a little bit better pass protection, things are going to get better this year, right? Once we figure out the scheme, once we get the timing down, once we get a little better pass blocking... Old Aaron Rodgers is coming out, right? Please reassure me of this. I, that's what I, I want a national media member to plead with Aaron Rodgers. Stop asking him ridiculous questions about his girlfriends and his vacations and his relationship with another guy called the head coach. I don't care. Beg him to reassure us that he's going to play better. With tears in your eyes, please beg him. Because I just want to hear the words. I was bad, but here's the excuses. 
and it's going to get fixed, and it's going to happen against the Vikings when I absolutely carve them up. And in the old days when I scored like 35 points on the Vikings or anybody that got in my way, that's coming back, and it's starting Sunday. I want to hear that a little bit. Am I insecure? Maybe. Maybe it's just because I realize this team isn't going anywhere if it's just defense and Aaron Rodgers can't play football anymore, which doesn't even make sense because, of course, he's still good, and a guy doesn't just go from being... I mean, people can slowly decline... Like, Peyton Manning wasn't as good when he literally couldn't move anymore. Like, his, there's so much arthritis in his knees, he was basically just, like, walking. I, I don't even know. I don't think I saw him move, so I can't even describe how it happened. He pretty much just stood there. But he was still relatively good, right? The mental part, throwing the ball in the right direction, even if it wasn't as, as you know, as zippy. Aaron Rodgers' athleticism and arm strength and everything else, as far as I can tell, has not eroded even slightly. All the things in which you look at Aaron Rodgers and say that wasn't a good decision or a good throw are inexplicable. And again, the only thing I can come back to is every single year in which he's had a bad year, he's also had a girlfriend. If he has a bad year this year, I will insist that Danica goes on a long vacation until Aaron Rodgers is, is um, you know, through with his career. Olivia came around, terrible year, came out of nowhere. What in the world happened? Olivia went bye-bye, good year. Danica comes in. Terrible years. I'm just saying. I mean, I'm not saying. I'm just saying. I'm giving him one more year to prove that he can be an elite top three quarterback and also have a lady friend. At which point, I am sorry, but I will have to uh, exercise my authority here. Anyways, this is why I can't get through things, because I have to rant and rant. I'm just saying, it's upsetting me to have to hear people talk about Aaron Rodgers, because everything in me is like, pfft. You're, you're dumb if you think that he's not a good quarterback. And then when I listen to him, it's like, I literally have zero argument against what you're saying because everything you're saying is true. But anyways, it's going to be fine. The Vikings are, are so going to get destroyed. It's not even funny. I did my CBS Pick'em Pool, which, by the way, if you are in the Patreon group, uh, don't forget to do your Pick'em stuff. Don't forget to make your picks. If you are um, in the Patreon and are not currently in the CBS Pool, make sure you reach out because we got a game tonight. But just because it made me so angry, I went into my picks and I picked the Packers for 16 points because forget all of you. That's why. Packers are not losing at home to the Vikings. Get out of my face. Not even that good, dude. Whatever. We'll get to that another day. We're talking defense today. But speaking of picks, don't forget to pick your team in daily fantasy football. Because fantasy football season is here, and this season there's more ways to win than ever because FanDuel has more ways to win cash prizes and once-in-a-lifetime experiences during every single game every single week. If you haven't played fantasy football before, great, because new users get $20 in site credit if they deposit $20 on FanDuel. Am I telling you to pick Aaron Rodgers on FanDuel? Well, I mean, I don't know because he's the fifth quarterback on this list behind Lamar Jackson, which is silliness. Because apparently everybody forgot. But, I mean, you do what you want. All I'm saying is it's not a big deal. Because next week you get to pick a whole new team all over again. Either way, sign up for FanDuel now. Get $20 in total bonuses. Just make your first deposit of $20 to get started. And you'll get an extra $5 in site credit every week for four weeks. Go to FanDuel.com slash DFS Fantasy or download the FanDuel app. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones 
And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. All right, so I already went through yesterday the kind of overall statistics where we rank defensively against other teams. If you didn't hear that, go back and listen to it uh, from yesterday's podcast because I expected to get to the defense, but I didn't. But looking at the defensive line, one thing that gets me excited is that uh, the number one defensive lineman in all of football at this particular point in time is Grady Jarrett. Now, Grady Jarrett is a great defensive lineman, but one thing that is absolutely true is that everything that is the way that it is is not going to stay this way. You know, the second best defensive lineman is Andrew Billings. The third best is Geno Atkins, both of them for Cincinnati. Is that because these two Cincinnati defensive linemen are the best two defensive linemen in the NFL? Or is it maybe because the team that Cincinnati went up against has a garbage offensive line? If you look specifically at Grady Jarrett, his run defense wasn't very good. His tackling was horrible, but he had a 95.1 pass rush grade. Do you think Grady Jarrett has ever had a high of a 95.1 pass rush grade? Maybe once or twice. What this is telling me is that although Grady Jarrett is a phenomenal defensive tackle, he had a way above average day against what is probably the worst pass blocking offensive line in the human history. Yes, the human history. Get out of my face. Vikings are garbage. Now, at this particular point in time, Kenny Clark uh, did not have his best day. I know he had some some great um, some great plays and whatnot, but so far this year, Kenny Clark is graded 43rd overall. Montrevious 53rd. Tyler Lancaster 77th. Dean Lowry 90th. Now, this could be seen as bad news. I'm going to take this as good news. Reason being. Over the course of the year, I expect this to cor- sort of course correct. In other words, people are going to end up kind of where they are. Kenny Clark is going to be up in the top 10 once again at some point by the end of the year, I should say. Uh, Dean Lowry will be within the top, I don't know, 30. I don't know where he usually is, but he's not going to be 90th. And then it just becomes a question of where is everybody else going to end up. I mean, Montrevious being 53rd overall is already an improvement from where he was. And then if you factor that in with the fact of how good the Packers' edge rushers were yesterday. And look at the fact that basically the pass rush was dominant last week without a def- without any help from our defensive line. shouldn't say no help. I mean, Kenny Clark registered a sack in a hurry. That's two pressures. Montrevious didn't do anything as far as pass rush is concerned. Uh, Tyler Lancaster did nothing as far as pass rush. Dean Lowry had two pressures, one hit and one hurry. So they did a little bit, which is great. What I'm saying, though, is it's going to get better. And I also think they absolutely did their job. I'm not saying they did anything terrible. I'm just saying typically we were more accustomed to the interior of the Packers defensive front being better than what the exterior does. And I think that's going to change under Mike Pettin. I think he wants the big boys to stay home, and he wants his edge rushers to get home. And yes, I expect Kenny Clark to see a massive spike in, in what he does when he gets away from the shoot. You know what? I'm going to find out the exact stat because I keep sort of referencing it but not being positive. So the Chicago Bears last year, 2018, gave up the second least sacks of any team in the NFL. Second least. The Baltimore Ravens allowed eight sacks. Chicago allowed 11 sacks. 11 sacks on the entire season last year. They gave up five. Now, is this because they have some kind of new offensive scheme or a bunch of new offensive linemen or something like that? No, it's not. These these offensive linemen um, who last year kept Trubisky upright who allowed less on average than one sack per game, less than one, we're talking about like .75 sacks per game, the Packers got five. Now they're going up against a Minnesota Vikings team that gave up 28 sacks last year. Just two less than the Packers gave up, by the way. 
Packers give up a lot of sacks. And the the idea is, well, it's going to get better because we have a better, you know, offensive guard this year, which doesn't seem to be true because he was clearly our worst pass-blocking offensive lineman. You know, the guy we paid a ton of money to because he's some freak offensive lineman, even though he's never really been good anywhere. But hopefully he gets better. That's fine. I'm sure it'll be fine. But the Minnesota Vikings did something very similar in which they replaced their center. And it was funny listening to Grapes and Gorak. And if you guys are listening, I love you guys. You know, we're, we're, we're on the same team and all that. But I got a good kick out of you saying you're excited about the center and how he's like one guy you don't have to worry about. He's literally the worst guy on your entire team. I mean, as far as week one went, there was nobody that was worse than him. He was horrible. And he is the entire reason I'm excited about Kenny Clark's matchup. Because, oh my goodness. By the way... Billy Turner is a guard, not a tackle. Brian Balaga is our tackle. He's very good. So Daniil Hunter is not going to tee off on Billy Turner and um, have a great day because that's not how that works. Just just letting you know. No big deal. Um, and by the way, uh, getting a little bit more specific with that stat, as far as total pressures, that sacks, hits, and hurries, Chicago was number one in the NFL. They gave up 117 pressures. The next best team was the New Orleans Saints gave up 124 total pressures. Um, PFF's proprietary pass-blocking efficiency ranking had the Chicago Bears number two overall just behind the Pittsburgh Steelers, just barely behind the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's the line that we went up against. That's what Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith and Kenny Clark and Rashawn Gary was going up against when they got five sacks. So I just wanted to clarify that because you could argue that that was one of the best possibly could argue as far as as pass blocking goes the best offensive line nobody's going to say that because they don't have an elite offensive lineman they don't have a David Bakhtiari they don't have a great tackle duo like the Packers like the Rams like the Saints um, like the Chiefs I think have a really good tackle duo right there's a lot of teams that have really good offensive linemen but overall because of the the guards and the centers and and occasionally a tackle gives one up here and there or maybe they got a good left tackle they don't have a good right tackle or maybe a guy got hurt whatever the bottom line is and, and we're also talking scheme right getting the ball out quick and all that kind of stuff bottom line is the Bears give up very, 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 very little pressures, very little sacks, very little hits and hurries. And as far as keeping your quarterback upright, the Bears might be the best in the game. At least they were last year. Best, second best, third best, depending on what metric you want to use, they were easily, easily top five. Just based on statistics. This is not, you know, some kind of grading system. This is statistics. Again, 11. All of last year gave up five in week one against the Packers. So I want to make sure everybody's listening and can hear that, Vikings fans. Um, that was, uh, by the way, overall grade when I was looking at uh, defensive linemen. As far as getting into specifics like run defense, Kenny Clark is already top 10. He's actually 10th. Um, again, I do expect that to also improve, but he had a, a, a solid outing, which is which is huge, and we're going to need that, right? Um, one thing that this Mike Patton defense seems to be doing really well is run defense. I don't know if you saw the video that was posted in the Packernet uh, Facebook group. If you're not in the Packernet Podcast Facebook group, be sure to get in there. It's a rip-roaring time. But one of those baldy breakdowns went and showed the Packers' defense, and there were a lot of great highlights. But Preston Smith is is really, really good against the run. I had mentioned that he was coming in, and that was kind of his specialty, and he did not fail us in Week 1. Neither did Kenny Clark. And Tyler Lancaster is kind of a monster up front as well. But, I mean, right out of the gate, Kenny Clark is a top-10 defensive tackle against the run. And, again, that's going to be huge. And being able to have a guy like that anchor down while the guys on the outside are teeing off, and, and it's just, I'm, I'm, I'm incredibly excited about this, and I really hope that wasn't just a complete fluke, 
because I don't even remember the last time that we had just a legitimately dominant defense. Even back when we had good defenses, it felt like they were the kinds of defenses that would give up kind of a lot, but they had a lot of takeaways, like just a ton of interceptions, and you know, they had, you know, Clay Matthews was getting a bunch of sacks, and Al Harris and Charles Woodson were getting a bunch of picks, and you know, stuff like that. But overall, I mean, there, there was still some things that other teams could do. Maybe not so much back in you know the Reggie White days. That was just pure domination. But memories fuzzy back in those days. Um, the next best run defender would be Montrevious Adams, who was 34th. Hopefully, we can get that up. Um, I don't think that's necessarily going to be his specialty, but still would be nice if he can get that a little bit higher. Tyler Lancaster, who is supposed to be our, our major anchor. He didn't play a lot. He had 14 total snaps, but uh, he was 70th in run defense, uh, basically flat even, which usually means when you're at exactly 60, that means you were on the field, but you didn't really do anything related to the run. So getting up to 61.7 more or less means he did a little bit, but not a lot to get his grades super boosted, so I'm not all that worried about it. Dean Lowry is the guy that I'm kind of worried about. His run defense grade was a 55. His tackling grade, which we're not at yet, but it was a 28.6. So overall, not a great outing from Dean Lowry, but again, I expect that to improve. Tackling. Some really good news here. The number one tackling grade in the NFL is Kenny Clark. Which is to say, as far as pass rush goes, maybe he's not exactly on his A game. But dude is just clutch right now. Right, as far as fundamentals, stand your ground, wrap him up, Kenny Clark, A number one. As far as everybody else, Montrevious was 47th. Basically, the overall grade was high average. After that, though, as I said, Dean Lowry, horrible tackling grade. Tyler Lancaster wasn't on the list because he didn't tackle anybody and didn't miss any tackles. So, again... Not a lot to see from Tyler Lancaster, which is why his his grade is basically exactly average, because that's the grade you get when you were on the field but didn't even have an opportunity to do anything. As I sort of alluded to the uh, pressures, Kenny Clark and Dean Lowry each had two, Kenny with a sack in a hurry, and uh, Dean with a hit in a hurry. Kenny Clark also had basically five tackles in this game, which is kind of crazy. He had four tackles and an assist. That's a lot. That's a lot of tackles for a, a guy in the middle. Looking at overall grades off the edge, um, probably not going to get as much love as people would like, but there's a reason for everything. And again, a lot of this is people that are doing things that are not going to hold up, right? So, for example, Preston and Zadarius ranked 20th and 24th. However, if you look at the guys above them, these are guys that had great days against garbage offensive lines, right? Kimoko Ture for Indy had the highest grade because of his pass rush penchant. Uh, he had, you know, four pressures, but obviously every single pass rush attempt, he did a good job. Because again, you're not just graded based on your stats, it's every single snap. Do I expect him to remain the number one overall pass rusher? So in order right now, Kimoko Ture, Benson Mayoa for Oakland, that ain't going to hold up. Cameron Wake, who I've told you is still a stud. Um, I don't think he's going to stay top five, but solid effort from him. Sam Hubbard, no. TJ Watt is pretty good. Is he top five? Probably not. Joey Bosa, that's probably pretty legit. Pernell McPhee, no. Uh, Brandon Gant, Graham is solid. Uh, Jordan Jenkins, probably not. Rasheem Green, no. Terrell Suggs, eh, I don't know. Chandler Jones, yeah, maybe. Nick Bosa, yeah, maybe. So now we're kind of getting into people that are legit. Carlos Dunlap, Khalil Mack, Justin Houston. Um, but the bottom line is you don't get into to a legitimate list until we get down into like 12 and 13. So uh, the question is who's going to kind of stay and who's going to fall. And as I said, Zadarius Smith doing what he did against the Bears, I don't necessarily think that's a fluke. 
Uh, Kyler Fackrell was graded 49th. Now, Rashawn is not on this list because I filtered out uh, the guys who haven't been on the field. If I undo the filter um, so that we can see Rashawn suddenly, if we can do this all over again, uh, it doesn't actually change because I, I guess nobody goes above them. Sorry for smacking my mic there. But um, Preston Smith is the 22nd overall pass rusher. Rashawn Gary is the 23rd overall pass rusher. And Zadarius Smith is 27th. Um, this is actually sort of reminiscent of our corners, in which I don't think we have anybody that's top five or even top ten. Could be wrong about that. We'll find out in a minute. But we've got three inside of the top 32, and as I've said, if you want your start, your starter has to at least be in the top 32, because there's 32 teams, and if you got to have a number one, he's got to be top 32. And last year we did not have a pass rusher in the top 32, and I think Jair was probably the only corner that was in the top 32 for us. That has very much changed, at least so far in week one. So we'll see if this improves. If Sedarius can keep doing what he's doing, there's no question that it's going to improve. But as of right now, we have three pass rushers that are, or yeah, three pass rushers that are, as far as their overall grade, are in the uh, the top 32. Two of them are in the top 25. That's Rashawn and Preston. As far as run defense, as I said, the man's a monster. I told you that prior to this week. Um, I broke down a little bit of that in the video that I think you can see still. I made that one free to see, which is the breakdown of the defensive line. Uh, Preston Smith doing a great job. Overall, without any filters whatsoever, Preston Smith is the fifth highest graded run defending edge rusher. That is huge. Zadarius, shockingly, 20th, because that's not really his deal. We're talking out of 122 um, run defenders, he's 20th. Now, unfortunately, Kyla Fackrell, we know, isn't very good 70th. Rashawn Gary, uh, well, he's just off the list, so that doesn't even count. So he's he's way down. He's tied for dead last at 122nd, but he doesn't have a run defense grade because he didn't come out for a single run snap. He was out <laughs> six times out of six on passing plays because that's basically his job right now is he's a pin your ears back and just go get him kind of guy right now. And again, he's going to develop. We know he's pretty good against the run. At least he was in college. He has some abilities. Hopefully we see a slow increase in snaps, and, and fortunately, because of Preston and Zadarius, we don't really need him out there a lot. But I can tell you right now, there is nothing better than the alignment of Preston, Zadarius, Kenny Clark, and Rashawn Gary. That is just the most lethal combination in the history of the known universe. Tackling grades, as usual, um, not good. Preston Smith was 79th, Kyler Fackrell 84th, Zadarius 86th. We saw many missed tackles. We saw several um, missed everything. Uh, Rashawn, again, has a zero because he never had an opportunity to tackle anybody. But everybody was not only below average, but actually in the 40s, which is bad. It's actually interesting because there's only uh, three, six, uh, eight people in the 40s. Three of them were all three of the Green Bay Packers. So that needs to get cleaned up a little bit. Um, I know a lot of it actually has to do with, with the slipperiness of the Bears. You know, you look at their quarterback. He was real slippery and getting out of a few of those things. You get guys like Tariq and whatnot, and, and um, their running back, David Montgomery, coming into the NFL, his big thing was he had more broken tackles or forced missed tackles than any running back in college football. So that's a pretty slippery team, so maybe we can give them a little bit of a pass. Pass rush grades. The highest pass rush grade was actually not Zadarius Smith. It was given to Rashawn Gary. Uh, Rashawn was the 21st overall pass rusher. Again, I know that Zadarius had 10 pressures, and that's awesome. That's higher than pretty much, well, everybody but Daniil Hunter, so obviously that's, that's. Uh, but again, this isn't stats. This is watching film breakdown, and this is their assessment of where he was at. And again, it's, it's not, it wasn't a bad pass rush grade. 
Daniil Hunter, by the way, so Zadarius is ranked 35th in pass rush. Daniil Hunter was 34th. They had almost the exact same grade and almost the exact same stats. Now, I, I don't know, but for example, potentially, if you look at the missed sack opportunities, that may have negatively impacted the grade. I don't know, but Preston was 41st, and, oh, and overall, and, and Kyler was 69th. Overall, this is still a phenomenal um, outing because, again, last year, I'm not positive we had one in the top 100. We we may have had uh, Clay in the top 100. I know that uh, the other guy, Nick Perry, was not in the top 100. We've got three that are, you know, in the top 50, which is still pretty impressive. And again, we, we saw the production. And on a, on a thing like this, I almost don't even care about the stat or the grade as much because the stats were so good. I mean, it's a little bit concerning because you kind of wonder if the stats are going to hold up because the grade is kind of telling you how they actually performed. And for example, if they negatively graded an offensive lineman, that may go to, in other words, a negative for the offensive lineman in lieu of a positive for the pass rusher. That could also be the situation. But again, the production was still pretty fantastic. Finally, coverage. Preston Smith, who was uh, dropping the coverage several times, was graded 16th. He tied Carl Nassib. Nassib? I think that's how you say it, Nassib. Kyler, Kyler Fackrell, 21st. So I had shown a particular play where Kyler dropped into coverage and did a pretty good job. So we got two guys that are basically top 20-ish in coverage after week one. Not really good grades. Very few pass rushers were. There were only three, four, five pass rushers with a good coverage grade. But still, um, being capable in that art is, is pretty rare. And uh, having two guys that seemingly are able to do it, at least somewhat competently, is going to be very valuable to Mr. Mike Pettin. If you don't know the stats, let's talk about a couple stats. Zadarius Smith tied for number one in the NFL in total pressures. Preston Smith is tied for sixth in total pressures. Another way to say that is that there are only five people with more pressures than Preston Smith. Terrell Suggs, TJ Watt, Devin Kennard, Daniil Hunter, and Zadarius Smith. So Minnesota wanted to pop off about uh, Daniil Hunter. That's cool, but he's got a much more difficult tackle to go up against than Zadarius does this week. And also, we have Preston on the other side, and your guy did exactly what again? Oh, that's right. He had four pressures. So that's cool, because our guy had six. So I don't know. I mean, it's just it's, it's whatever, man. And again, he's going up against David Bakhtiari this week. And, um, and we are definitely not going up against David Bakhtiari. Not even close. Uh, Rashawn Gary had two pressures, which seems not very impressive until you realize he was out there for six snaps, which would be 33% of his uh, snaps resulted in a pressure, which is absolutely unheard of. I mean, that, that, is, that is not, if you can get to 20%, you are elite above elite above elite. It is just nearly impossible to even get to 20. I think Aaron Donald did it like two years ago, and it was like crazy. I mean, in college, it happens all the time. In the pros, it doesn't happen. Right now, Rashawn Gary's at 33%. I'm not saying that's going to hold up. I'm just saying two out of six is sickening. It's ridiculous. Uh, Kyler Fackrell also has two on 15 pass rush attempts. Again, doesn't sound like much, but that's 13%. 13% is awesome. Uh, looking at the other percentages, Darius Smith is at 19%, which is, again, absolutely insane. 20% is nearly impossible. It's it's something that basically J.J. Watt and, and Aaron Donald are the only guys that are ever even going to have a chance to do that. Khalil Mack is sitting at like 13%, 14%, something like that. And not this year. This year he's at, I don't know, it's like 4% or something ridiculous because he only had three pressures. And Preston right now is sitting at 13%. So when I when I came into this season, I think what I had said is like Preston and Zadarius are like 12-ish percent guys. 
and that's going to be awesome for this team because that's that's a good number. Like if you can if they can maintain 12%, that's awesome. Right now, Preston Smith and um, Kyler Fackrell are at 13%. Zadarius Smith is at 19%, and uh, Rashawn Gary is at 33%. Um, so, (laughs) and again, against the team that gave up, um, the least pressures, I think I said in the NFL last year, ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. Matter of fact, I'm going to do the total math on this because I need to, I have to see it. So overall, the Green Bay Packers pass rushers were able to get to the quarterback and pressure the quarterback 16.8% of the time. Across four pass rushers, they got to the quarterback nearly 17% of the time. That is absolutely ridiculous. Ridiculous. Anyways, Preston also had a batted pass. Uh, Preston tied for 11th in stops with three stops. And uh, I don't know, that's about it. Why don't we take a break? I'm obviously going to be, jeez, time is just bearing down on me. We'll take a break and then we'll cover the linebackers and secondary. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So fortunately, linebacker is going to be easy because there's literally only one linebacker uh, that played for this team. By the way, side note, apparently BJ Goodson is going to be playing next week, and it sounds to me as though maybe the reason we didn't have a linebacker playing had less to do with scheme and more to do with people just not being prepared, just based on LaFleur's answer that he's going to be playing kind of a lot. Maybe that's a change in defensive philosophy on how to handle the Vikings, but considering he didn't have any time to prepare, I'm thinking it's the other thing. But overall, right now, Blake Martinez is graded as the 47th best linebacker. Um, Didn't really do anything well except his pass rush grade, which isn't great because he doesn't do that very often, and it's kind of one of those things where it's a small sample size, so it's kind of fluky. But again, pass rush is awesome because he's at 50%, which is the highest number of anyone. He had two pressures on only four attempts. So if we add that and just call it linebackers, it gets a little bit more crazy, but probably not too much. It'll probably bump us up to about 17. But uh, his run defense grade, he's currently ranked 63rd, which is not good. He had a below average grade. Tackling, he is 54th, again a below average grade. Pass rush, he is ranked 4th, which I'll take it. But all I can say is he needs to improve uh, definitively, and also hopefully BJ can come in and be a little bit better than this. Because even his coverage, which is something that he actually did pretty well last year, he was graded as 62nd, again, a below-average grade. Overall, he graded as average, but um, not the best outing in the world. His two pressures on four attempts is fantastic. Five tackles, an assist, and a missed tackle. Um, He was targeted six times in coverage. Five of them were caught for 49 yards, 9.8 average, 100.7 
passer rating when targeted. Corners now is when I'm going to get a little bit excited because I remember the days when we would have um, maybe our best corner was like 79th. As a matter of fact, let me just check here. So looking at 2017, Lindsey Pipkins was our highest graded corner and he was 91st overall. Demarius Randall was ranked 111th. Devon House was ranked 117th. Donatello Brown was ranked 127th. Josh Hawkins was ranked 149th. Kevin King was ranked 168th. Quentin Rollins was ranked 189th. This was our secondary. We had one out of those five or six that I listed that was in the top 100, and it was Lindsey Pipkins, who they never really put in, even though he was one of the guys that was actually decent at being a corner. He only played 122 total snaps. That was our secondary. So when I get a little bit excited that our guys did well, even though it was just one week and I expect a little bit of regression, that's why. Because and If you want to know why I'm so hesitant and why, it's because of this. Because I've seen what happens when we draft early. And I've seen, why, why are you so low on Kevin King? Well, because I remember talking about Kevin King being the 168th best corner out of 200. That's why. Out of 380 snaps. Not like, oh, he was hurt the whole year. Nonsense. 380 snaps. And that was him with a good run defense grade. What do you think that says about his coverage? So that's where we were just two years ago. But it didn't get too much better last year. Jair Alexander, by the end of the year, was ranked 41st. Again, as I said, he tailed off at the end of the year. Everybody talked like he was a top 10 corner. He ranked 41st in the NFL. Do you know who our second best corner is? Take a second and think about it. Who do you think it was? Josh Jackson, 132nd best corner. So even last year, we had trash corners. Trash. It was bad. So, yes, I'm a little skeptical of our corners sometimes, but I also get a little excited when our guys do well because so far this year, Jair Alexander was graded 14th overall, Kevin King 17th overall, Tremont 23rd. We have three corners in the top 25 after one week. Now, do I think pass rush had a big part to do with that? Yes, I do. Do I think Trubisky had a big part to do with that? Yes, I do. Do I think better quarterbacks uh, against this secondary, if our um, you know pass rush backs off, is going to mean that our corners are going to plummet in their rankings? Absolutely, I do. At this particular point in time, do I care? No. Um, the next highest graded was Tony Brown, who is currently 96th. So that's not super great. However, three out of the four were in the top 25, as I said. Now, on the flip side, Tony Brown, as, I, as I've mentioned several times, the one thing I like about him is he's, he's pretty fast and he's aggressive and he's ferocious. Looking at run defense, Tony Brown was graded 7th overall. After that, Kevin King 52nd, Tremont 55th, blah, blah, blah. It wasn't great. Tony Brown is the one guy that did pretty well. Tackling grade, Tremont is the man, top five. So again, in every category, it's like, oh, here we go with the Packers again. It's not every, it's not the same guy every time, but there's always a guy that's just up in the category there. Tony Brown was 24th in tackling. After that, it really trails off. The next guy was Kevin King at 74th. Jair was 84th. He absolutely needs to clean that up because that was really bad. He had a 37 tackling grade. That's horrible. Pass rush, not the most important thing, but Kevin King was uh, graded as the fourth best pass rusher as a corner. So again... Still got a guy up there. And then as far as coverage, which is the most important thing, Jair Alexander is currently ranked 8th overall. Uh, Tremont is 16th, which is phenomenal. Kevin King, 27th, which, again, 
All I ask is that we get guys in the top 32. If we have one guy in the top 32, that's kind of cool. We've got three. And if Kevin King can stay in the top 32, I'm already excited. If we have three that stay in the top 32 all year, we got a really good defense. By the way, Xavier Rhodes, the guy that everybody keeps picking on, uh, he was ninth right behind Jair Alexander. I'm not sure why Xavier Rhodes is the guy everybody picks on. He's their one good corner. Go after the other guys. The other corners are the bad corners. Xavier Rhodes is the one guy that's pretty good. And then passer rating when targeted, if I filter out all the guys that hardly played at all, Jair ranked 17th overall with a 52.6 passer rating. Kevin King was 23rd with a 58.3. Tremont Williams was 26th with a 63.4. All three of those are fantastic. Almost all of them are inside the top 25. Tremont is just 26th, but whatever, top 26, who cares? Fantastic outing for all three corners. That's huge. And again, I think the sooner, assuming Kevin King can stay at that level of play, the sooner we get Kevin King back to full health where he can play all game and we don't have to sub in Tony Brown. Because remember, almost all those big plays came when Kevin King went off and Tony Brown went on. And uh, Trubisky's like, all right, that's where I'm going. And that resulted in two really big plays. Finally, safeties, even more reason to get excited. We've got two safeties inside the top 20. Adrian Amos ranked 11th overall, Darnell Savage 19th overall. And I'm, I'm, completely blown away by Darnell Savage. I had very low expectations for him in week one. He hasn't had a ton of of practice. Usually guys with that high athleticism, it takes a while to translate that, you know, because the mental part has to catch up. Um, But just incredible outing for Darnell Savage in week one. Um, Run defense grade, both of them were were just fantastic. Adrian Amos was the seventh highest run defense grade. Darnell Savage, 18th highest. Um, Raven Green obviously has been out of the loop a little bit here. Until we get into tackling, Adrian Amos, fifth highest tackling grade. Raven Green, 26th highest. Darnell Savage was 63rd. His tackling grade wasn't fantastic. Kind of got to clean that up a little bit. Pass rush because it's just what the Packers do, apparently. Phenomenal pass rushers across the board. Darnell Savage ranked 9th. Raven Green ranked 14th. Adrian Amos, 35th in pass rushing. We had three that are nearly in the top 32, which is just ridiculous. Finally, looking at coverage, Adrian Amos, 13th in in, uh, coverage, which is awesome. Darnell Savage, 28th, which is awesome for a rookie in his first game. Raven Green, 47th. He had a just below average grade, which I will absolutely take at this point in the year. Um, Just average for our third guy, for the guy that's basically taking Josh Jones' role, for a guy that's a good tackler and is, well, he wasn't, uh, yes, he was, phenomenal tackler. Um, If you can just be sufficient in coverage, I'll take that. So, Essentially, that's where we're at. Unbelievable effort from the defense. I mean, again, we've, we've got three pass rushers that are basically starters. We've got three corners that are basically in that, that could qualify as number one corners on other teams, right, because they're in the top 32. Obviously, they're better than a lot of other people's number ones. We've got, like, two top 20 safeties. Um, you know, we, we got to see how it plays out over the season, right? Some of these guys are probably going to regress, but I, I never expected it to be this good, even against Trubisky. Um, in week one, everything's going to be sloppy. And this wasn't just the Bears being sloppy, even though there was a lot of that. And I expect the Vikings to be able to take advantage of mistakes and advantage of gaps in zone, which Trubisky couldn't figure out how to do because he's just not very bright. Um, I'm sorry, that was mean. I attacked the man personally. I'm just saying he's not a super good quarterback is all. I'm sure he's good at math and stuff. But anyways, I got to get out of here. Super excited to start looking at the Vikings and seeing what it is they're good at and not good at and whatnot and kind of get a step on that. We got football tonight. Um, I guess go Bucks. I don't know. Both NFC, but I don't think the Bucks have a chance. Panthers could potentially come on strong a little bit later in the season, so the more losses they can rack up, the better. 
Otherwise, have a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.